Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 25th of October 2012. Newcomers, I suggest you make good use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. There's lots of free audios for download. There's also transcripts in English for download, download from all the sites you'll see listed there. And if you see the site, Alan Watt sent in sentinel.eu, you can get transcripts for print up as well in other languages. And remember, as always, that you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't have sponsors. I don't have, uh, bring on guests who are advertisers. And I don't take money from advertising or uh, any companies that sell products. I could certainly, but it would change the whole aspect of the show if that was the case. So it's up to you, the audience, to keep me going. You can do so by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughmetrics.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office, or you can send cash, or you can use PayPal. And straight donations are really, really, really welcome in these uh, austere, hyperinflationary times. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And uh, same thing again, uh, donations are really welcome. We do live in a strange system. Most folk never wake up to it. They think it's all normal because conditioning is very powerful. Uh, scientific conditioning is incredibly effective, and most folk are perfectly conditioned. Uh, most folk are. It's like any weapon that's made. It won't kill everyone, but it'll kill most. There's always those that it doesn't. So, But most folk, in other words, are, are succumb to the weaponization of all information and they really, really believe what they're told and they can't think outside the box. And they watch television every night, they watch their news and it's a routine with them. They believe, you see, they understand that they've been socialized into socialism where governments have trained you, leave the, the big things to themselves at the top those guys above you, and they'll take care of all the big problems. Don't even ask questions about it, just accept it, and you go and play down below. That's what you do, that's what socialism is. So, as I say, I go through the system, the history of the system, the system which was born a long, long time ago through revolutionary movements, with the same guys behind it who brought others into it, to front for them as well, and who eventually uh, changed the world, even through revolutions, physical revolutions in the 1800s and the 1900s. And but the, the biggest revolutions that are ongoing are the cultural revolutions to bring in a world global system of very obedient peasants, basically. Started up by the, the, the groups that formed and got together and created the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. They've got foundations across the world run by their members, top members, and these foundations uh, are extra-governmental, but they work with government. In fact, they put your presidents in. They give you, they are selected by those foundations. Carl Quigley said that himself, and he was the historian for the CFR. Doesn't matter, left, right, or whatever, they are always vetted and selected. You must be a member of this organization to even go forward. So you're living in a controlled society, a controlled system with a definite agenda, 
uh, and uh, the agenda is to do with eugenics and many other things as well. And fairness, as they call it, is to destroy society by making certain people if, if, uh, equal to everyone else, even though psychiatry used to have different notions on the idea. Politics ruined psychiatry. In fact, psychiatry lost its, uh, its fame, basically, when it succumbed to political decisions instead of going by science. And we're all, we're all going to suffer it from it, too. And uh, the society that they're going through now is partly on the way to the same one that Aldous Huxley talked about. We have the, the combination of the Rellian foot on the face forever type of deal, uh, the boot in the face, and we also have the Huxleyan model of Brave New Worlds, all both going along at the same time, and political correctness is being stamped on us all, and uh, we better conform or they come down like a ton of bricks. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and I've talked many times about eugenics, many, many times, because eugenics is a big, big part of this whole world agenda, as they kill off, they want to kill off all the useless eaters, they call them, Bertrand Russell called them that, other ones followed suit, but um, they mean what they say, of course, the big boys at the top, and they can through different methods of dumbing us down, making us sick, killing us off, and so on. Bertrand Russell even met, talk, talk, talked about using the needle, he says, you know, inoculations, uh, to get compliance, uh, people, etc. And what they do with inoculations, injections, and so on, is hype up every imaginary disease that's out there, even ones that don't bother you at all, and... They, they, they make it mandatory to take shots as we're really going after a compliant population. You know how old this agenda is? Well, you see, the League of Nations is set up after World War One, and by the big boys who were running the wars, both sides of them, the banking boys through the Royal Institute for International Affairs, they, they, they decided at that time to set up the League of Nations, and one of its first priorities was to inoculate everyone across the planet for everything until they'd eliminate all these catching diseases that you'd get. They've never changed their principles, ever. Of course, whatever they do, there's always another uh, reason they want to do it, because they did talk about ways to modify the behavior of people, even dumb us down so we weren't too bright. Because they had a, a hundred years or more of change to go through that we wouldn't like, you know. And... What got me too is when they, they came up with the, the, the sexual revolution. That's again, it's the same boys behind all the revolutions to destroy all that was to bring in the new, which is utter dysfunctional mayhem. But it's all taken care of by more and more government agencies to handle the mayhem, you understand. They're not stupid at the top. And Lenin said that too. He says, all start like authority, like, like, like services, health services, these kind of things. And eventually they'll turn into authorities. Well, that's happened. Now, this article here says, For the first time in history, a biologically plausible mechanism of action has been discovered linking a vaccine to a serious adverse event. We've seen many deaths through things like Gardasil, for instance, for one example. Gardasil has left behind its genetic fingerprint and postmortem immortem uh, central nervous system samples of two girls who took this vaccine. So they found it in the bodies of the deceased. Since two teenage girls from the opposite ends of the world, both dead before their time, have two additional things in common. They both took Gardasil to try and prevent, because it's touted for preventing cervical cancer, the human papilloma, papilloma virus, you see, and fragments of the HPV-16 uh, 
one antigen used in Gardasil has been found in blood vessels within their brains. Now, it shouldn't get anywhere near the brain and be crossing over into the brain. It says HPV-1601 protein is one of the antigens used in both Gardasil and Cervarix. An antigen is a toxin or other foreign substance that induces an immune response in the body. Theoretically, these antigens are not supposed to cross the blood-brain barrier. However, according to a recently concluded case study, this may not be the case. Using a new immunohistochemical protocol they developed, doctors Chris Shaw and Lucia Tomlegenovic examined post-mortem symptoms taken from the cerebellum, hippocampus, choroid plexus and watershed cortex of a 19-year-old girl, as well as the post-mortem samples of the cerebellum, hippocampus, choroid plexus portions of the brainstem, medulla, midbrain pons, viroli, right basal ganglia, right parietal and left frontal lobes of a 14-year-old girl. They tested for the presence of two of the specific antigens used in both Gardasil and Cervarix, HPV-16L1 and HPV-18L1. They discovered the presence of HPV-16L1 particles within the blood vessels in the brain, in the cerebral vasculature, with some of the, these uh, particles adhering to the blood vessel walls. For the average medical consumer, this is the equivalent of a Gardasil fingerprint and it should not be in brain tissue. Does the presence of the HPV-1601 particles inside the girl's cerebral vasculature provide evidence of a Trojan horse mechanism by which these particles are absorbed uh, to aluminum adjuvant gain access to human brain tissue? Remember, both Gardasil and Cervarix contain HPV-16L1 virus-like particles, VLPs, of recombinant major capsid, which is L1 protein, uh, absorbed into aluminum adjuvants. And it says... uh, Tom Novik and Shaw also discovered that the antibodies against HPV-1601, which were used to detect the presence of HPV-16L1 particles, were also binding to the wall of cerebral blood vessels in the brain samples. Their IHC analysis also showed increased T-cell signaling and marked activation of the classical antibody-dependent complement pathway in cerebral vascular tissues from both cases. The pattern of complement activation in the absence of an active brain infection indicates an abnormal triggering of the immune response in which the immune attack is directed towards the blood vessels of the brain, thus triggering an autoimmune cerebral vasculitis, which often ends up with complete hemorrhage of the brain. So I'll put this up tonight. It's quite a long article, but you, women and uh, who have daughters and, and dads too should should read this and really think about what these big pharma companies are up to as they ram ahead with their big agenda. It's interesting too that that part of the agenda, you understand that see, sexual promiscuity must be maintained. We have uh, we have Julian Huxley that was at UNESCO who said that we must make make um, promiscuity the big thing and encourage it to destroy bonding. You see, it says once they have destroyed bonding and you, and you can have sex with a person without any emotional bonding at all, so it's a physical thing, uh, then they'll have achieved their goal. Now that all the chaos that fell out of that too, you still had pregnancies, so they brought in mandatory abortion or free abortion for them. For the state takes up the tab again. And then they had all the venereal diseases that broke out as well, including human papillomavirus or genital warts. They end up inside the vagina and and getting into uh, the the cervix, basically. 
and, and linking possibly, possibly giving one kind of uh, uh, cervical cancer. So they must ramp ahead to eradicate all the side effects of promiscuity as they go ahead with the whole agenda. Or there's all hell to pay. Folk think twice. They don't want folk thinking twice. You know, the slogans say, go on, just do it. Just do it. You see? So I'll put this up for you, for those who don't understand what's really going on or why it's going on. And another article, too, is a parent's primer, vasculitis and vaccines. That also goes through the inflammation of blood vessels, uh, this group of disorders caused by uh, inflammation of them. It's, it's a condition which is easy to mis- mis- misdiagnose because inflammation of blood vessels is capable of causing a wide range of symptoms which can be vague, generalized, and or nonspecific depending upon where, whether veins or arteries are affected, uh, where these blood vessels are located, and how widespread the inflammation is, and the degree to which the blood flow is restricted in the effective area. But it goes through the organs, where it affects your organs and your brain and everything else, and right down to cerebral hemorrhaging. So they know all about this at the top, of course, but they're going to, they won't stop them. They're going to continue their big propaganda campaigns, marketing campaigns to ensure everyone gets it. And the ones who die of it, well, you see, they know there's always a certain amount going to die of whatever they give you, and that's acceptable to them. That's as simple as that. They're quite cold about it. It's just practical to them, you see. And I mentioned last week, too, about the Canadian government knowing of plans to dump iron oxide into the Pacific and it was under, under a, a geoengineering experiment, you see. And uh, this is geoengineering iron fertilization in Canada. It says, as controversy uh, mounts over the Guardian's revelations, the American businessman conducted a massive ocean fertilization test, dumping around 100 tonnes of iron sulphate off Canada's coast. It's emerged the Canadian government may have known about the geoengineering scheme and not stopped it. Well, the guy who was involved in it said they all knew about it, even Weather Canada. And uh, obviously they, they, were, they, were, they were colluded in it. I think he even said they got cash from it. This is the news combined with Canadian obstructionism in negotiations over geoengineering at a United Nations biodiversity meeting in Hyderabad, India, has angered international civic uh, rights society groups who've announced they are singling out Canada for a recognition of shame at the summit. It's called the Dodo Award for Actions that Harm Biodiversity. What about the spraying that they've done in Canada since 1998, like daily? The aerial spraying? Cadmium? Huh? Cadmium, we've got, even got uh, uh, aluminum oxide there too. They're putting uh, other stuff into it too. Cadmium, by the way, can be yellow or red or orange even. I've had the yellow rain here. I've, I've got it on my website. It wasn't even spring. So there's no pollen around. Folk have no idea what was really going on, do they? It says the criticism in Canada for being one of the four horsemen of geoengineering joining Britain, Australia, and New Zealand and opposing southern countries' efforts to beef up the existing moratorium on technological fixes for global warming, which doesn't exist since they admit it's been going down for the last 16 years. Yet there's much more to all of this, as you well know. You see, they've got to hang on to global warming come hell or high water. There's a bigger agenda at work, folks for those who don't get it. Even in the geoengineering papers at universities, they admit by tampering with atmosphere, for instance, they will cause mayhem, massive flooding of areas, massive storms, massive droughts, etc., all part of geoengineering. Well, they're seeing it all. And now they've got their, their, their preparedness committees all set up across the country, even in Canada, even in Sudbury. 
for, for mass oh, death and mass harm happening. It's not their fault, you see. It's your fault for causing global warming. This is the con. So beautiful, isn't it? Blame the victim. <laughs> so I'll put this up tonight too. And uh, those who want to go in and re- read what they've been doing with the so-called experiment can have a little gander at it. Also, the, the ICLEI. People better get that stamped in their memory because this is part of Agenda 21, the Millennium Projects, and it's part of the Rio Summit meetings where they came up with all of this stuff. Again, private organizations, uh, the work outside of government, just get all drafted up and your government signs it into law. But you can stop all this because you can kick them out of your local governments. I'll talk about this when we come back from this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking about the ICLEI, Local Governments for Sustainability, uh, founded in 1990, it says here, under the auspices of the United Nations. And what they've done, they've attached different people onto your councils that you're paying for, by the way, salaries and all, uh, to do this non-governmental organization action to for sustainable living. Anything you pay for it all, changing, again, behavior modification, all of you. They have masses of money to propagandize you all. They get into the schools to propagandize the children and as to go in with the whole world agenda of sustainability and so on and bring you down to utter austerity, which means poverty. But one of the latest gags is to go for the wood and lumber, not just the industry, but your firewood as well, folks, and carbon taxes. So they'll institute it through your local councils. Did you elect your local councils for that? Are your local councils entitled to be belong to this? note? you can get them out of your local council, and especially in the U.S., they've made great strides in starting kicking these sods out of there. Because they're just like spies, basically. And they are, and you've got to kick them out. Because we give no say in these things at all. Once they're in, they have a big, big agenda to fulfill, and they shouldn't be on your council at all. That's not what your council's there for. Remember, it's a private organization. Private. It's running your lives. So I'll put up that up there tonight. And also the article, too, where they show the toolkit they, get, they send out to all the sellouts in your council that go along with it. Since the STE project has produced a guide for public authorities wishing to procure sustainable timber products, further resources will be added to the STE toolkit over the course of the project, including the case files, case studies, fact sheets, training material, guidance for other stakeholders and reports. And there was a toolkit where you get to teachers as well to brainwash the, the little children. So it's to brainwash the local residents, you see. The tools have been developed by the project partners in consultation with stakeholders from across Europe. And as I say, it's under the United Nations. They have no authority at all to do this. And you acquiesce by your silence. That's why it goes ahead. And as I say, I'll put up the PDF as well from them. It's Buying Sustainable Timber, a guide for public purchasers starting in Europe, but they're going to cross the whole world with the same agenda. And I'm sure they've already started in the States to buy it too. And they go into uh, sustainable uh, fair tri- trade in timber, supporting other po- policy goals, sustainable timber policies, and so on. But they also get into uh, carbon, etc., etc. You know where it's all going to go, carbon taxes 
and licensing to even buy firewoods, uh, etc. All that kind of stuff is going, going to go with it. Sly sods, you know, they sneak in like worms and just attach themselves there, thinking the average person won't know they're even in there, and most of them don't, you know. Then you start altering your policies. Now, Illinois relaxes requirements for transgender identity documentation. Special exceptions, again, for special folk. Following through in a July settlement, an Illinois judge approved a new decree yesterday allowing transgender people to obtain new birth certificates reflecting their identified gender without undergoing genital reconstruction surgery. It's important for the many trans people for whom the surgery is not medically prudent, particularly because it carries with it the consequence of sterility. Hmm. According to the Chicago Phoenix, it does seem that the Illinois Department of Public Health will still require trans people to undergo at least some form of surgery, but the standard remains unclear. It's amazing that this is at the top of the United Nations Forum right, right now, across all the whole planet, transgender. I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter about the American Indians or, or anybody else. This is at the top of the whole thing. These folk get special treatments and, and free treatments as well. Even Sudbury is going into that. There's, oh, there's a lot of them in Sudbury, apparently. And they have to go outside Sudbury to get treatment. And they go into the, the massive um, suicide rate that they have. But you'll find certain segments have always had, had massive suicide rates if you go into the records back there. However, uh, even Hillary Clinton said that they're not going to give out any loans to countries, foreign loans, unless they put this at the top of their agenda. You better ask why, folks. You better ask why. Now, I'll also be up tonight to the True Food Shopper's Guide to Avoiding Genetically Modified Foods. It's not a bad site, actually, and it'll give you um, the True Food Shopper's Guide. Uh, It's got a mobile application for iPhone and Android and all this kind of stuff if you want to use that. Or you can just use your computer and uh, it'll it'll list them all, what's what's in what, all the different things are put into what you think is still food. It's not food at all. And you see how it affects you as well. I'll put that up tonight. And talking about the ICLEI going after trees and lumber and firewood, proof that carbon taxes increase the cost of livings revealed. Like we didn't know, what would the taxes always do? They could put the cost of living up, for goodness sake. So we need experts to tell us this, mind you, in this day and age. It says it's revealed that the Australian carbon tax was having an impact on inflation in Australia. Data released by the Reserve Bank of Australia revealed inflation rate in Australia rose to 1.4% between July 2012 and September 2012. It says that's a three times increase in the previous quarter. Experts now admit that carbon taxes increase the overall cost of living. Well, any tax is going to do that. But we need experts to tell us, oh goodness me. For companies that adopt a carbon tax, managing director of Richford Capital, Thomas Averill, said that energy prices have made a fairly big contribution to the inflation numbers and the carbon tax was also having a visible impact on inflation figures. And that was in the Sydney Morning Herald. And we'll be back with more on the big goings-on in the very deceptive world after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix and the United Nations, everyone takes it for granted because most folk were born and it was already there, but remember it was really born during World War II and officially born when they had their big San Francisco meeting at the end of the war or after the war. And it was set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, because they had to bring in a global government, and that was to be the embryo of a global government system, run on a socialist or, or, or almost communist basis for the majority of the public. You have a, a massive bureaucracy and government agencies running the general public, you see, like in a Soviet form. And you would have the fascists above them, uh, which were the international bankers that formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs at that time. And they, they are still at it yet, of course, because they never give up their goals. You know, father a son, father a son, carries on generations. United Nations calls for anti-terror internet surveillance, it says. So they're, they're calling for an internet, internet surveillance, saying lack of internationally agreed framework for retention of data is a problem, as, we, as our open Wi-Fi networks in airports, cafes, and libraries. So they want more surveillance than all of you. That's what it is. And, of course, they say it's going to help to investigate and prosecute terrorists, since you're all potential terrorists. Understand terrorism is already branching out to mean other things, people who are simply politically incorrect in any other part of the agenda. This is the 148-page report, PDF. I've got it here, and I'll put it up tonight at cuttingtreemates.com. Released today titled, The Use of the Internet for Terrorist Purposes, warns that terrorists are using social networks and other sharing sites, including Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Dropbox, to spread propaganda. You think they're talking about the mainstream media the way they're talking there, right? And it says, potential terrorists are able to, uh, with technology, are able to reach a wide audience and so on with a, at a very low cost. The report released at a conference in Vienna, convened by UNODOC, United Nations ODC, concludes that one of these major problems confronting all law enforcement agencies is a lack of an internationally agreed framework. In other words, they want the United Nations to be the boss again. For attention of data held by ISPs, Europe, but not the US or more, most other nations, has enacted a mandatory data retention law. Well, every other country has done it on the quiet. Says that echoes the U.S. Departments of Justice lobbying efforts aimed at convincing Congress to require Internet service providers to keep track of their customers in, in case police want to review those logs in the future. I guess you'll pay for those logs under carbon tax. Privacy groups mounted a campaign earlier this year against the legislation, which has already been approved by a House committee. The report, however, indicates it would be desirable for certain websites, such as instant messaging services and VoIP, providers like Skype, to keep records of communications over the Internet, such as chat room postings. They've been doing that since they gave you chat rooms, folks, for those who haven't figured it out. I mean, see, they want your information. They want to know what's going on in your head. They give you all these things, places to go in and chat about. (laughs) Other experts from the UN report addresses open Wi-Fi networks and then cell phone, tra- cell phone tracking, uh, your cell phones, and terror video games, video footage of, of violent acts of terrorism, or video games developed by terrorist organizations that simulate acts of terrorism and encourage the user to engage in role-play by acting the part of a virtual terrorist. Well, they're all the same, even the ones by the Pentagon, for goodness sake, that brought them out in the first place. Paying companies for surveillance is therefore desirable that governments provide a clear legal basis for the obligations placed on private sector parties, including how the cost of providing such capabilities is to be met. They wanted tax internet hefty, you know, so to pay for all this. 
So this, everything, see, everything from the United Nations, all this massive umbrella organization, and every facet of your life wants to be in total control. That's what it was set up to do. Did you ever vote for it? Do you get to vote for it? It's a non-democratic institution, folks. You should demand your government tear up any charter that is signed with it. That's what you do, should do. And Jimmy Savile, of course, is carrying on as always. Two or three links on that. I'll just put them up tonight, though. But the number of victims is reaching 300, and police say that about 400 are investigating above all that. So it goes on and on. But it's a, it's a massive paedophile ring right through the whole BBC. That's no stranger to anybody who's ever been through the BBC. Uh, when you see the kind of characters, uh, you'll meet all through it. Um, what can I say about them without... Not going into slammer, but anyway, the fact is, you'd recognise what I'm talking about if you went through it. But they've always had them there. They've always had their paedophile rings. It goes all the way up to the House of Lords and 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 the, the British Parliament, and I think even into some of the put it this way, noble families too. And also, they show you one of his his places where they take children. You got one in Scotland, one house put up there, inside the paedophile's lair, chilling pics off the bunk beds at Savile's Highland Cottage, raided by police where up to 20 suffered abuse, but a lot more than 20 suffered abuse there. Prince Charles used to go and visit them too. I'm sure many cops did as well because they've been involved themselves in some recent cases to do with raping uh, children with Down syndrome. I'm not kidding you. And it went all the way up to the top, uh, Hootspah, in charge of the Scottish uh, law system, who's a woman, and she crushed all investigations into it. Anyway, I hope they open up that again and clear out that nest of vipers. This article here too says, no matter how government spins it, it's a conspiracy to cover up paedophilia and other crimes. Why isn't the government taking the bull by the horns? Suggested a very brave MP named Tom Watson stepped up and said what every other member of parliament in that chamber knows, but could not muster the courage to speak up about. He says, the leads were not followed up, but if the files still exist, I want to ensure that the Metropolitan Police secure the evidence, re-examine it and investigate clear intelligence, suggesting a powerful paedophile network linked to parliament and number 10 Downing Street. It says it's not outlandish to say any, anything uh, anymore that some in power are sworn to secrecy on the matter while others are simply too afraid or not confident enough to state it in public. It's this fear that's almost guarantees silence even in the government, must say especially in the government. Clear Tom Watson MP was not acting as a political elite, but is he really acting as a man of the people? Time will tell. And... Um, says David Cameron's response to the question was shaky to say the least. They can't open this up, folks, because there will be no confidence whatsoever in the British government or even in the British system. Because you understand something? It's always been like this. It's always been like this, folks. Always. And <laughs> this is a good bit of advice from someone from Whitehall in Britain, that's the security, big security agencies for Britain. Give social networks fake details about yourself, advises a Whitehall House, um, Whitehall web security official. It says, um, a senior government official has sparked anger by advising internet users to give fake details to websites to protect their security. Andy Smith, an internet security chief at the cabinet office for the government said, people should only give accurate details to trusted sites such as government ones. <laughs> He said names and addresses posted in social networking sites can be used against you by criminals. 
and his advice was described by the Labour MP Helen Goodman as totally outrageous. She wants you to put everything up there and just take the consequences because government wants to see you, whatever you're doing too, you understand, they're tracking you. So he's another guy who's come out and said the opposite and don't like it at all. The UK is to double the number of drones in Afghanistan. It's amazing how you're always broke, but they can always get all these drones and toys and stuff, eh, to kill more folk en masse. Uh, you know, these surgical strikes that they have that slaughter whole villages, <laughs> things like that, you know. But I'll put this up tonight. And, um, and also kill list two, Obama's disposition matrix. It's a new term they've coined, by the way. A disposition matrix maps out extrajudicial murders for years to come. It, actually, it says p- for perpetuity. This, this war on terror is for perpetuity forever, folks. That means you're, you're under a police state forever. And it's to get worse. But a wonderful name, a disposition matrix. So people will never figure out what they're talking about, disposition matrix. And I'll put up tonight, 2HR6566. It says, to amend the Homeland Security Act of 2002 to require the administrator of the Federal Emergency Management Agency to provide guidance and coordination for mass fatality planning and for other purposes inside the United States. What's that all about, eh? For the harder thinking, I should maybe read that again, is to amend the Act 2002 to require the Administrator of the Federal Emergency Management Agency to provide guidance and coordination for mass fatality planning and for other purposes. I'll put that up tonight as well, in PDF form, from the government. Now, there's Daniel from the UK hanging on the phone there. Are you still there, Daniel? Yeah, hello, Alan. Hello, yeah. Hello. Um, yeah, just... Um a question for you, but that uh, paedophile business is, um, they, they always see, wait till they die um, to bring it out. And then they, doesn't matter what happens, then they throw them to the walls once they're dead. Um, uh, no one said anything in the media about why nothing was done whilst they were alive, did they? No, no. Jimmy uh, Savile. What, what it is, actually, is, is that people have been asking questions uh, when he was alive, with a lot of more accomplices involved. And so th- what they're doing is throwing him to the wolves as she, uh, after he's dead, hoping we'll all just say, oh, well, they got the guys dead, and, and forget all the rest of them involved, because it's, it's ongoing, you understand. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think this is something, this is like a can of worms, and um, it is, it is, I, I don't think they're, um, I don't think anything will come of this, because... We know it goes uh, it goes all the way to the top, really. And, um, they can't allow it. As, as I say, what they say is we can't allow the public to lose confidence in the government. And that's exactly what would happen if you have any confidence in it at all. You know. But it would also have, you'd have no confidence in the whole system anymore if all this blew out. So they can't, they must uh, play it out, give you, give you Savile, 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 and hope it fades away. They will not open it up all the way up to, to Prince Charles and all the other folk who visited them at these little special houses. You know, can't do it. <laughs> and they won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Well, um, also, well, my question was actually, um, uh, in your book, The Third Cut into the Matrix, which I'm reading again, um, you, you mentioned you briefly touched on the uh, Star Wars, the, the three Star Wars films, and how they are um, sort of an interpretation of this, this uh, dra- Zodiac drama, as you put it. Um, and you, you alluded to this, uh, the, the Force, um, as portrayed in the Star Wars film. Um, yeah. Would you be able to briefly just 
go over what the occult meaning of those films was and, and what the force meant and that sort of thing. Well, the force, again, is it goes all the way back to John Dee, in fact. In fact, even the Yoda character is a very... If you look at the Yoda character, look up the, the drawing from John Dee of calling up the dead, you'll see the, the exact same little character there. The, the Yoda is also a Jedi, and a Yudai, by the way. And you find that was also the mascot of the Knights Templars and when they were in the Holy Land, that same little character. So that's a, this whole thing's an ongoing special elite people going down through the centuries, uh, altering society, taking over even star complexes, which really refer to the world and all the countries in the world, just like the Star Trek did. And special folk in genealogical lines are special people, superpowers and all that. They had the right to rule all the, over all the rest, like royalty. And it was pretty well laid out there. You'll notice, too, that all the, the main fighters, all these armies, were faceless. They are the cattle. They're the ordinary people. And, and they don't matter. So that's why they have no faces. They're always covered. Only the special folk had uncovered faces. And these are the, and you only remember the special folk involved in it, too. So they were, go, they were taking you through a story drama of an ancient system up to the present. Uh, never mind the star part of it in different galaxies. It was all to do with what happens on Earth. That that's a common theme. And you would understand as, as Kabbalistic as well, because even the force it is literally Kabbalistic. Uh, the force can be good or bad. It depends on how you view it at the time. And even, even Darth Vader becomes a good guy at the end. So uh, the force swings back and forth, back and forth. They believe in the balance of the powers. They don't call it good and evil. They don't believe in such a thing as good and evil. As long as uh, the agenda benefits out of conflict, then they have essentially won. And it's, it's completely capitalistic. And you find a lot of that same theme in, in so many movies out there that people don't recognize what they're actually watching. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I can see, uh, since listening to you, I've managed to um, notice a lot more of this, this symbolism. is very um, blatant in everything now, quite um, everywhere you see it. Um, do you think these, these controllers, they have such disregard for the planet because they actually intend to maybe perfect their technology and slaves and then actually try and roll this out, I mean, throughout space. Uh, because well, I suppose once you've taken over the planet, the only place you can go is out into space, isn't it? Well, they're already, they're already actually doing it. NASA put out a, a two-hour documentary movie about ten years ago with David Suzuki narrating it. Who's a eugenicist and a and uh, uh, and also a geneticist to do with going out to mine the planets? That's one of their big ideas, and that came out at the same time as members of parliament in some countries were talking about end of life extinction on Earth by whatever causes disease, asteroids, whatever, or man-made catastrophes, and they must survive themselves by going off into space if they can do it. But mining was a big part of it, and they talked about that and how they'd have to do it, even creating special humans, engineering them, they would literally, literally basically be born en route to the planet, as, as opposed to sending live humans out, full adults out on from the beginning. They would do it the other way and literally alter these, these uh, fetuses to be uh, born en route by machines, triggering different hormones and so on. And they would hatch and be trained by computers on the way in. To, and, and they would be the first uh, ones to do it because we, they know they do know that the, 
um, the radiation belts out there will pretty well kill all life. So they'd have to put these fetuses inside uh, radiation-proof little um, cells, you might say, or compartments to, to keep them radiation-proof. Uh, the Van Allen belt is still taut, is lethal, uh, regardless of the so-called moon landing. And uh, But to get through that, you'd have to, in other words, put lead shielding around small compartments. Now, you could do that with tiny little fetuses and, th- and so on, much better than putting full-grown adults out into there, because it all add to the weight of lead shielding for the higher the animal or creature, then the more lead shielding you'd have to have. But that was on that documentary, if you want to look it up. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of these films, a lot of these space films, there's all this terraforming, isn't there? Not, not only in space, uh, actually, they've they got it here for the planet. They can wipe out everything on the planet, which they know they're going to do with all the spraying that they're doing. It's killing off the trees, animals, birds and everything. And uh, if you look into, they're called uh, ARCs, uh, put up by the World uh, Federation or Wildlife or whatever, They've got three main arcs across the world where they have every uh, sperm, uh, spermatozoon, and, and ovum of every kind of creature. They have every genetic uh, uh, makeup of, of every plant, piece of grass, whatever, and they have successfully put them in cryogenics for years and successfully taken them out, mated them, and then implanted them even in other animals and brought them to, to full term and birth. So... They're all ready for re-engineering the planet with a lot of us gone. There's no doubt about it. They know that geoengineering will probably kill a lot of us off. Yeah. They know this. Thanks, Alison. Thanks for calling. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the Matrix and we'll take Justin from Florida if he's still there. Hello? Uh, how you doing, man? Not bad at all. Well, uh, yeah, um, well, like, you were talking about inoculations earlier, you know, and just how the use of the needle is, you know, one of the primary ways they destroyed, you know, our ability to reason and our ability to, you know, understand uh, the greater concepts, greater ideas of, you know, of the earth and, you know, uh, when I had my daughter, well, when me and my wife had our daughter, we, uh, we were very concerned about the hospital staff and, you know, and like we didn't want her getting, um, any vaccinations. We didn't want her getting anything like that. And, you know, and, uh, we were praying, we were, you know, uh, really equipping ourselves against the doctors because they were all, you know, just, mm-hmm. Just pushing the whole thing, like, yeah. we need to vaccinate children, we need to vaccinate the children, blah, blah, blah. And when she was born, you know, like, we refused the shots. Yeah. And they actually, uh, they didn't fight us about it. They let us do it. it. You know, it wasn't an issue. And, you know, now she's almost a year old. And almost every person that sees her in public just comments, you know, how alert she is and how she, you know, and like how... How her reaction time is, you know, it was really spot on and how she just, how she just seems like a, like, yeah. she has like a brightness in her eyes. And almost every person that we meet, like, will comment on it, you know, and it's just, you know, it's just amazing how, like, I have an unvaccinated child who has more or less a whole brain, you know, yeah. except for the other chemical things that they're doing to us, you know, in the air and whatnot. <laughs> so it's just amazing as people, 
And they don't even think about it. It's not even like, oh, well, you know, why is she brighter than the other children that you've seen lately? You know what I mean? I've got some people who, uh, one one in particular, in fact, he he had two daughters who both had children before, and they're, they're both having more children, and he convinced them to try and not get the shots for the children. And it was the same thing. They were completely different from the previous children that they'd had. Uh, very bright. They didn't have what the doctors like to call, they've been trained to call normal childhood diseases, you know, the sniffles, the sore ears, all those things. They don't get that because their immune system is completely working properly. Then inoculations destroy your immune system. And they know this. They do know this at the top. Uh, so if they don't get inoculated, it's not just their brain working for, uh, perfectly, it's also their whole immune systems working perfectly. Uh, everyone else who's got the shots, and, and they, they teach this in medicine today, that the, today's population, uh, all everybody in today's population has a, a deficient and a lowered immune system. They don't tell you why, but they know why it's this injections that you've got. And then we wish we, we had immune systems like them, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. because yeah, they've, they've, they've destroyed everyone who's had shot shots. There's no doubt about it. That's what it's supposed to do: is alter your immune system. It does. It destroys it. <laughs> but thanks for calling. Thank God for you, Alan. Take care. And also put an article up on Novartis. They're recalling that in Germany. In other words, don't take this shot elsewhere because they found odd, strange foreign particles in it as well. I'll put that link up tonight too. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, as good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.